As Pastor Swan mentioned, this is a new theme. It's a new month, a new theme. And the theme this month is spirit. Last month was life, new life. Uh, and we focused on, on what Jesus came to do on the cross. We focused on the cross. We focused on the resurrection. We focused on what the uh, what what were the uh, results of that of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So we focused on all of that. And I think it's just a natural progression uh, that after the resurrection of Christ, we would now begin to focus on the Holy Spirit. So this month would be spirit. That's the theme. Okay, so the, the topic for this um, morning is even better. All right, that's the topic, even better. Now, um, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, uh, sadly, many Christians get very spooked by this subject, all right? Uh, because of things they have heard sometimes, uh, things they have seen maybe, um, uh, rumors from other people about the Holy Spirit. And so we kind of like get spooked by the whole subject. Now, we should not be. I remember growing up, at least today we, call, we, we talk about the Holy Spirit. When we were growing up in the old days, you know, uh, uh, preachers would talk about the Holy Ghost. All right? Uh, and I think that's where the, 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 the spook comes from, right? When we talk about the Holy Ghost. Um, so, but that's the old English term, all right? It, it, we don't use that term now commonly. Um, but I want you to know that the Holy Spirit is not a thing. We sometimes said we call the Holy Spirit it, right? When it comes, it, it's not, that's not what the Bible teaches us. The Holy Spirit is not a thing. He is God. He is God, right? Um, so I'm going to go into the scriptures right now. Today, what I'm trying, going to try and do, I'm going to, uh, my approach will be more exegetical. All right, that would be my approach. So I will just try and open the scriptures up so that we understand. So my topic today will be an introduction to this whole theme of spirit, right? Um, so we're going to look at John 16. Before we even read, uh, starting from verse 5, uh, very quickly, John 16, um, uh, of course, comes right after John 14 and John 15, if you, if you didn't guess it already, all right? But, it, 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 you know, when we read it, we, re we see it in chapters. And so what happens is we sometimes segregate chapter 14, chapter 15 is something else, and chapter 16 is something else. But when it was first originally written, it was written as one whole thing. There were no chapters, no verses. So it was one reading, right? Um, and if you read John 14, 15, 16, you'll begin to see the whole picture of what this whole topic is about. <coughs> the coming Holy Spirit. John 14, the Lord tells them that I'm going away, all right? Uh, but you know, the things that you've seen me do, you will do even far greater things than that you will do. Uh, and Jesus begins that way. He said, and now when I, but when I go, I will not leave you as often as I would send the Holy Spirit to you uh, and, and, and all of that. And then he says that, you know, because he starts off when, when, when one of his disciples asked him, show us the Father and we'll believe. And Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And then the Lord talks about this. So when I go, he says, the Holy Spirit will now be in you. And as you see me in the Father and the Father in me, you would be in me. 
And then John 15, he talks about the vine and the branches, and he talks about you being in me, abiding in him. All right, so the relational, the intimate relationship is again seen in John 15. So it's not a separate teaching on the vine and the branches, all right, as we normally think. It's actually a continuation from chapter 14. So chapter 15 is all about this intimate relationship where we are uh, attached to uh, the Lord. And so um, what flows through him now flows through us. It's how the life that flows through the branch, through the trunk would go into the branches. So it's that same concept, concept of if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, if you if you are in me and I will be in you. So that whole thing extends to chapter 15. At the end of chapter 15, again, the Lord affirms that the Holy Spirit is coming. And now we look at chapter 16. So it, it's just one, one long uh, passage, actually. Uh, 14, 15, 16. Look at chapter 16. We're reading from verse 5. Now I'm going back to the one... Uh, is it on the screen? Okay. Now I'm going back to the one who sent me. But I tell you the truth. It is better for you that I go away. When I go away, I will send the helper to you. If I do not go away, the helper will not come. We're going to pause there. Jesus said something very strange. I, I, I think if you... Sometimes we know in, in, when we read through the scriptures, we just skim through it. We don't sit down and, and think of the significance of what he just said. Jesus actually said, it is better for us if he went away because then the Holy Spirit can come. Now we think about that. Okay, we pause, about that. We pause there for a bit. Is it really true? Would it be better for us if Jesus went away? The disciples, I'm sure, at that time, they couldn't understand fully. Because as far as they were concerned, how wonderful it is for Jesus to be among them. If Jesus went away, where would we be? We wouldn't have the miracles. We wouldn't have, you know, uh, we wouldn't have the following. We wouldn't have someone to teach with such authority. We won't have any of these things. So surely it's better if Jesus is here. If Jesus went away, what would we be? We would be nobodies but fishermen. We would go back to what we used to be because we were nobodies. All right? But Jesus said, I say to you, it is far better. It is better if I were to go away. Then the Holy Spirit can come. You see, you, you have to understand this, all right, um, church. The full ministry of the Holy Spirit can only begin after the ministry of Jesus is completed. Let me repeat that. The full ministry of the Holy Spirit can only begin, full ministry yeah, of the Holy Spirit can only begin after the ministry of Jesus is complete. So this is about the gospel. All right? It's about the gospel mission. You know that this gospel mission didn't begin with Jesus coming to earth. The gospel mission began long, long time ago. In fact, the Bible says before the foundations of the world, the gospel mission was already etched out. So the moment Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, God could declare the gospel mission. Right? If you remember in the garden of Eden. Jesus, uh, the Father, God the Father could declare the gospel mission. 
See, the father was the architect of the gospel mission. He was the architect of the gospel mission. And then the son accomplished the gospel mission. When he came, went to the cross, died for us, and rose again from the dead. The father was the architect of the gospel mission. The son accomplished the gospel mission. And then the son now has ascended. The Holy Spirit has come and the Holy Spirit applies the gospel mission. So the entire Godhead is involved in the gospel mission. I think that's pretty cool. I think that's amazing. All right? The Father is the architect, the Son accomplished it, and the Spirit applies the gospel mission. So the question is this. Could not the Holy Spirit come in full power while Jesus was still here? Couldn't that happen? Well, why must Jesus say, I have to go back? Couldn't the Holy Spirit come and, 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 and show the full power of, of His work when Jesus was still here, the answer is simply no. What do I mean? Why do I say no? Because the Holy Spirit could not reveal God's transformative power through Jesus. Listen, this is the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's work is to transform us. And it, it cannot do that work through Jesus because Jesus was sinless. Jesus was perfect. There was nothing to transform. Can we understand this? I think we need to understand because I said today, you know, I'm just introducing the work of the Holy Spirit. And so we need to grasp this. This is why Jesus says, I need to go and then the Spirit can come. Because the full work of the Holy Spirit can only be accomplished through flawed people like me and flawed people like you. When He comes to indwell us, when the Spirit comes to indwell us and transform us, that's what the gospel is all about. So He couldn't do it with Jesus. Because Jesus is God and so is the Spirit. So He cannot do a transformative work in Jesus. So the basis of the transformation is Christ's finished work through His death and resurrection. That's the basis. So Christ had to accomplish the work. And then the Spirit comes to apply that work. So Jesus was right when He said, it is better for me to go, because if I don't go, the Spirit cannot come. So for the Spirit to come, Jesus had to go. And then the Spirit can indwell us and the Spirit can begin His full power, His full work of transformation in us. Alright, so let's move on. Now we're looking at verse 8. Alright, John 16. Jesus says, When the Helper, that's the Holy Spirit, when the Helper comes, He will prove to the people of the world the truth about sin, about being right with God or righteousness and about judgment. So there are three things he says that the, the Spirit of God will do. He will prove, he will show, he will manifest, he will reveal the, to the world the truth about sin, the truth about being righteous with God, the truth about judgment. 
the resurrection and the ascension. Ascension is when Jesus went back to heaven, okay? And this is something that we will observe. Um, I think it's on the 13th of this month. Uh, so it's coming right up in about a couple of weeks, all right? Uh, less than two weeks' time, all right? The ascension. So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We will observe in our homes. It's not a Sunday, okay? We will observe this in our homes. I will send out a reminder, I think, through WhatsApp to all you guys. All right, so now. So that's the ascension of Jesus, all right? The resurrection and ascension shows to the world, shows the world to be wrong over three things. What? Number one, the human race. People think that we as human, even, even, even the, the, the Jews believe this, all right? The religious leaders believe this, that as long as we keep following the laws, as long as we keep to this set of rules, uh, we will be okay. Uh, and that's wrong, all right? Because the fact of the matter is sin kills. And so no matter how upright they seem to be following all the laws, all of them died and they remain in their graves, including the prophets of the Old Testament. Every one of them died and remained in their graves. Right? So it is wrong. So the, the resurrection and ascension of Jesus shows the world to be wrong over these three things. So one is the human race. That sin kills, and so we all need to be saved. We need to be saved. The second thing is this. It was wrong about Jesus. They incriminated him. They put him on a cross as a criminal. But Jesus was sinless. He rose again from the dead. He conquered death. You see, while all, even the prophets of old remain in their graves, Jesus did not. Because sin could, the, 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 sorry, the grave could not hold him down because Jesus was sinless. And Jesus dying on the cross was not because he was a victim, but because he subjected himself to death. In fact, Jesus was not a victim, he was a victor. Hallelujah. So he died to be our saviour. And the third thing that was wrong was this, that death. Because to many people, death seemed to be so final. But Jesus Christ's resurrection proved that death has been overcome. And Jesus did that for me. He did that for me. He did that for you. All right? And now we're going to move on to verse 9. John 16, verse 9. The world's sin is that it refused to believe in me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. Now stop there. Righteousness is available not because you followed law, not because you followed the rules, not because you followed the rituals, not because you seem to be a good man. Our righteousness is available because I go to the Father. I did not die and remain in the grave. I am alive. I have beaten death. I have conquered death. I have proven that I am sinless. I have proven who I am. And I have died because of I paid the price for you. So now through me, righteousness avail is available. I'm alive and I'm going back to the Father. And you will see me no more. Verse 11, judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. And so when Jesus died on the cross and he rose again, he permanently defeated the devil. 
He permanently defeated Satan. Judgment has come because the world, uh, because the ruler of this world, Satan, has already been judged. And he lost. Satan has lost. He's a defeated foe. All right, he's a defeated foe. Verse 13. But when the spirit of truth comes, he will lead you into all truth. The spirit of truth will bring glory to me because he will take what I have to say and tell it to you. So the Holy Spirit's mission is this, is to reveal the glory of Christ in the gospel. The Holy Spirit's ministry is not power in general. So sometimes we think the Holy Spirit's job is to just come and give us power. Because we read that in Acts 1.8. And when He comes, He will give you power to be my witnesses. But that is not the, 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 the ministry of the Holy Spirit. It's not just to give power in general. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is to give us Christ's glorifying power. There's two different things. All right? If you remember in the book of Acts, uh, when, this, uh, when, when this magician saw what was happening with Peter and, and the disciples and all of that, he also wanted the same power. And he said, I, I would like to have what you have. Let me know what I can do. I'm willing to even pay. so that I, you know, Because what they were doing was far greater than the works he was doing. He was a magician. But these guys were raising people from the dead. They were healing people. They were just speaking and people were healed and stuff like that. And he wanted what they have. And you know, he couldn't get it because that's not what the Holy Spirit is about. He's, he doesn't just come to give you power. He comes to give you Christ glorifying power. And once we understand this church, the gospel suddenly becomes clear. Once we understand this, then the gospel becomes clear. Verse 14. We'll look at verse 14 one more time. Huh? The spirit of truth will bring glory to me because he will take what I have to say and he will tell it to you. This is probably the most important sentence on the work of the Holy Spirit. It is the most important sentence. The Holy Spirit points to Christ's resurrection glory and his triumph over sin and Satan on the cross. And that's the apex of the glory of Christ. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes and He always points us back to Christ. He points us back to the glory of Christ. He points us back to the triumph on the cross. He points us back to the empty tomb. He points us back to all of this. He points us back to the fact that Jesus has, has triumphed over Satan. And that now that life that Jesus had is now offered to us. That is the Holy Spirit's work and ministry. Where is the evidence of that? Because now Jesus said, again, now I'm going I'm to remind you, Jesus said this, it is better for me to go. And then the Holy Spirit can come. Because the Holy Spirit has a job to do, has a work to do, and that is His work to point to Christ, to point to Christ's triumph, 
through his death and resurrection. And to point to the fact that now there is life to be offered. And so that is the work of the Holy Spirit. He couldn't do it through Christ, of course, as I mentioned, because there was no need to transform Jesus because he was perfect in every way. So the evidence of the gospel, the evidence of the power of the Holy Spirit, we are it. We are the evidence. And that is the real power of the gospel. And that is why I think it was last week when, when Leon shared with us uh, his story. And, and you know, uh, I remember uh, it was Joel who, who mentioned that, you know, sometimes we need not tell you when there would be a testimony Sunday. You know, you should be ready with a testimony, with a story to share because of what the Spirit is doing in our lives. Because there is a transformative work that the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives. When, we look, when I look at my life, what I am today, what I was before I had an encounter with Jesus, there must be something for me to talk about, something exciting for me to say. I was like that, but praise God, I'm like this today. I, I was fearful. I was worried all the time. I was, I was someone without purpose, without hope, without meaning. Today, I'm different. That, then that's the evidence that the Holy Spirit it's at work in your life and the evidence that you have new life coursing through your veins. But when we have no story to tell, when people look at us and they see no difference, and they say, you go to church? You're a Christian? You know that something is wrong. You know that something is wrong. You know, I, I remember when I was working in, uh, in the Star Papers many years ago, I had a Boss that was a bit of a tyrant. Uh, I remember um, she was a bit of a tyrant. Yeah, she she used to, she used to because because I never fought back, so she would pick on me uh, very often and all that. And when I finally resigned from the company to set up my own company, uh, she I, I I called her out for lunch, and she was a bit surprised, but she went out. So we had lunch together, and we were chatting. And finally, she said, "You know, Stephen." All these years I've been observing you. I was there for 10 years. I uh, said, so all these years I've been observing you. And this whole company, because my department, there were few people who called themselves Christians. And so I looked at the, at, at, at the company, I looked at the team. And I found no difference between Christians and, and everybody else. In fact, I find Christians to be hypocrites. Only you and another brother whom she mentioned, you are the only two people who are different from the rest. And she said, I, I, and that's why I really admire you. And I said, there's nothing to admire. I said, the only difference between you and me, we are, we, are, we are no different. I said, we are the same. I'm exactly the same as you are. The only difference between me and you is that I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. That's the difference. All right? And because I'm forgiven, God has changed me. But inherently, we are the same. And so she heard. And so I was able to share the gospel with her. You see, the evidence, the evidence of what Jesus did on the cross and how he rose from the dead, the evidence of him leaving and the Spirit coming, we are it. We are the evidence. Our lives will tell the story. John 7 38 to 39, Jesus said this. 
Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare, rivers of living water will flow from his heart. When he said living water, he was speaking of the Spirit, who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered into his glory. Jesus had not yet entered into his glory. Right? Uh, so the Spirit had not been given. But he was talking about something that was to come. Anyone who believes in me, rivers, streams of living water would flow from you. And he was speaking about the Holy Spirit. So the question now we ask is this. Okay, but you're talking like this, that Jesus was here and he went and then the Holy Spirit came and then there will be change and transformation. But wasn't the Holy Spirit also present in the Old Testament? Don't we, when we read the Old Testament, don't we see his works? Isn't it true? Well, the question is yes, of course. The Holy Spirit was present in the Old Testament. In fact, the Holy Spirit was also present in the life of Christ, wasn't he? The Bible says, the same Holy Spirit that raised him from the dead also will give life to us now, will give life to our mortal bodies. And, and, and so the Holy Spirit was present in the Old Testament. In fact, we read the scriptures. Many times we find that the Holy Spirit would come upon somebody and would strengthen him and give him power to do certain works. All right? Uh, we read this many times in the Old Testament and also in the life of Jesus. So, so what is the difference? So why did Jesus say, unless I go, the Holy Spirit cannot come? Uh, something is not right. Let me explain this, all right? While the Holy Spirit was present in the Old Testament days, and the Holy Spirit was present during the, during, uh, the ministry of Jesus, and the Holy Spirit was doing His work with the Old Testament prophets and people, as well as with the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit could not powerfully do His most essential work. Okay? The Holy Spirit could not powerfully do His most essential work. And His most essential work was what? Glorifying the accomplishment of the crucified and risen Christ. Because Jesus had not come in the Old Testament. He had not died and risen again. The Holy Spirit came to do some work amongst people and then He went. All right, He could not stay with people. He could not reside and indwell in people. He could not. Because Jesus had not defeated sin and death yet and the devil yet. So people were still living in their sins. But the Spirit would come upon them, do a work, and He, it, and he will go. All right. Um, same thing with Jesus. The Holy Spirit was with Jesus. Anyway, as the Father and Him were one, the Spirit and Him were one also. So they were doing work together. But the Holy Spirit could not do a transformative work in Jesus because there was no need for that. So the Holy Spirit is now able to do his most essential work because Jesus had come, Jesus has died, Jesus has risen, and Jesus has ascended. He has to go, huh? he has to ascend first. Ascend, then the Spirit comes. So he has done all of that. It's the finished work of Jesus, as we sang this morning. 2 Corinthians 3.18 tells us this. And we all 
who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. The Old Testament believers all had the Holy Spirit to help them. But they all did die in their sins. But we now have the Holy Spirit as our helper living in us, not just coming to work among us. He is now working in us, something that the Old Testament people never had. They never had the Holy Spirit working in them. What's the difference? The Holy Spirit now indwells us because we are cleansed from sin. The people of the Old Testament, because Jesus had not come yet, they, the sin problem in their lives were not taken away. <coughs> when they did their sacrifices and all of that, it wasn't to remove sins. It was to cover sins. They're two different things, huh? Covering and removing. Covering is like, you know, you get someone to sweep. They sweep the house, sweep all the dirt comes. They open the carpet and they put under, and they sweep everything under the carpet and they close the carpet. You don't see the sin there, but it has not, they have not removed. You don't see the dirt, but it, the dirt has not been removed. It is just covered. That is what happened with the sacrifice of lambs and bulls and all of that. It was for the covering of sins not for the removal of sins. So the Spirit could not come and indwell because they had sin that was not dealt with fully. But the Spirit now indwells us because we are cleansed from sin. And so the Spirit indwelling us is now beginning this work of transformation from the inside out. From the inside out. To conform into the image of Jesus. I think that is amazing. That's what the, we read just now. We, are now, we can now be transformed into the image of Christ. That could not happen in the Old Testament because the only way that they could do, they, they could find you know, uh, uh, peace with God was to follow a set of rituals, is follow a set of rules. But now with what Jesus has done on the cross, there's no need for that. But there is a transformation that takes place from the inside out, not from the outside forcing ourselves to follow our rituals. Alright? So now I'm going to end with just some take-homes. Just some six take-homes today. Number one, the most compelling evidence of the Holy Spirit in our lives is our own transformation. That's the most compelling evidence of the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Our own transformation. So the question I ask you is this. Have you seen a radical change in your life? Have you seen a radical change in your life? If not, if not, okay, I'm coming to that in a while. This transformation is something that is not forced. It happens from the inside out. There are people who come and they say, okay, my New Year's resolution is to change. My New Year's resolution is to do better here. My New Year's resolution is not to do this anymore. I want to be a better person. I, 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 I'm going to try my very best. And so we try. Many people try. I, I have a habit. I'm, 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 I'm addicted to smoking. I'm going to try to kick that habit. Uh, I'm going to try to do this. I'm going to try and do better. In this. Now, we can do all we want. But that is forcing ourselves to try to do better. 
But you see, the transformation is something that is not forced. It happens from the inside out. The first transformation that needs to take place is my heart. And the Bible says, the heart of man is exceedingly wicked. And that you cannot change on your own because of the sin issue. So Jesus died on the cross to pay the price for my sin. And he's taken, taken that issue away already. So all I need to do is now to, 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 to surrender my heart to him. And then the Holy Spirit now comes into my heart and he begins that work of transformation. He begins that work of transformation. Happens from the inside. So once my heart is transformed, my behavior is affected. And my behavior starts to change. My character starts to be honed. I become a better person. I stop using words that I used to use before. I stop loving things that I used to love before. I stop going to places I used to go before. I, I, stop, I, stop, um, uh, I stop hating people the way I hated people before. Something happens and, it, and it's not forced anymore. Something happens because something has taken place in your heart. Number three, the basis of this is an authentic relationship with Jesus. So again, it cannot be forced. You cannot tell yourself that I want to change and so I'm going to try my best. The basis of all this is a, it's, it's, it's really an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ. Because that's what Jesus came to do on the cross. He came to do this on the cross so that we who were with enmity with God because of our sin problem that was between me and God, that sin problem is now removed and I can now have an uninterrupted relationship with God. And because I can do that, the Holy Spirit can now come and indwell into my heart. When I receive Jesus, He comes through the Holy Spirit and He takes His place in my life. And then the change can start. But it cannot start if you don't, it cannot happen if you don't have this relationship with Jesus. All right? This transformation includes overcoming sin. He's given us the power to do that. It includes exhibiting an upright life or a righteous life. Now I want to do the right things. And it also comes with having authority over Satan. Because as we read the scriptures just now, Jesus defeated Satan. The ruler of this world has been judged and defeated. So when I invite Jesus into my life, all right, he comes with all his glory and all his power, including the authority and power over sin, over Satan. And so now I exhibit an authority over Satan, an authority over evil, an authority over demons. All right? That is one of the transformations that takes place. The fifth one. The Holy Spirit transforms us into the image of Christ so that we can continue His work as Him, not like Him. Now very often we, we talk about, I want to do things like Jesus did. I want to love like Jesus loved. I, I, I want to help people like Jesus helped people. Now, now, that is missing the point. The whole point about the work of the Holy Spirit, the transformative work of the Holy Spirit, is for Him to come in all His glory, all His power, and 
inhabit our lives, indwell our lives, so that now I no longer need to try to be like Jesus. I now, the old Stephen is no longer alive. This is now Jesus living in me. And so now I love, not like Jesus, but I love as Jesus. I would touch people as Jesus. I would pray for people as Jesus and, 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 and exercise that authority as Jesus. So that is something that the Old Testament people could not have. Only we, because now the Spirit is in us, not with us, in us. So I, I now can continue Jesus' work, not like Him, but as Him. And finally, because of this, church, listen carefully. Old Testament times, yes, you read the scriptures, a lot of exciting things happen. But you know what? These are the best days to be a believer. The best days to be a believer. Because we have such an advantage that they never had. They were always longing for a God with us, Emmanuel, God with us. They were always longing for that. But we have the advantage of God in us. And to me, that's mind-blowing. Mind-blowing. So it's not just about God with us. It is now about God in us. And that's what the Holy Spirit has come to do in our lives. These are the best days to be a believer. The best days to be a believer. It's a great time to be alive and to be a believer of Jesus Christ.